If you would please be opening your New Testament to Romans chapter 10. Just a few moments, we want to begin with a reading from Romans the 10th chapter. As the other men who have stood before me have suggested, it is certainly good to be back here. I'm not going to pretend to have a greater fondness than other preachers who have worked with you for you. But, having been that young fella that started on this journey with you, there is a very special place in my heart for you. For the patience. Those were the years that I've often said since that time, I need to go back to all those country congregations around Pulaski County and preach a sermon online because I can get the cassette tapes out and hear some of the things I was preaching and Oh, good sermon, good sermon, good sermon. Oh, it seems shaky when I go back and listen to it. But you were patient with me. You endured and you preferred and you helped. And it'd be an exaggeration to say that it seemed like yesterday that we started the work. It doesn't. But it sure doesn't seem like 20 years. My, how time has flown. And the many changes that you've witnessed, mostly enjoy. One thing that stayed constant when I think about Lakeside, I think about two things particularly that have certainly stayed constant, and that is when we started the work, there was about 27 of us, and on Sunday morning there's 27, Sunday night there's 27, Wednesday night there's 27. By the time we moved away in 99, we were up to about 54. You know Sunday morning there were 54, Sunday night there were 54, and Wednesday night, guess what? There were 54. You've grown up to 115, 120, 125, 130, and you're holding pretty close to that. I suspect most of the time you assemble together. And the second thing, the singing was always beautiful, as I recall. It still is. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Josh, for the way you've led us this day, and thank you, good brethren. For the way that you have taught and admonished in the singing today. Thank you for inviting us back. Thank you. You know, in God's wisdom, our learning of Him, our salvation by Him, and our service to Him certainly involves others. There in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, these words, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Brethren, we did not start our heavenly journey alone. And we dare not try and go it alone. Someone or multiple ones were instrumental in sharing the gospel with us. And from the time we obeyed the gospel and rightly joined ourselves, Acts 9.26, to a local body of believers, we've enjoyed fellowship with those of like precious faith. In God's arrangement among brothers and sisters in Christ, we give and we receive countless blessings, helps, out of the genuine concern for each other. You think back to Cain's question. 
Genesis 4 and verse 9. Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. And proof of such is found in the numerous one another passages of the New Testament. And already this day, Josh and Mike and Larry have focused on some of these one another texts. That we all might be edified, that God might be glorified. Our need to properly greet one another. Our need to beware and not bite and devour one another. Our need to prefer, admonish, forbear with one another. As I believe each of these men have alluded to, ladies and gentlemen, all these things we've considered up to this point really fall under the umbrella of love one another. So as we bring our study to a close, that's what we want to focus on. Turn with me to John chapter 13, please. Talking about loving one another. We just sing about that. Love one another. Thus saith the Savior. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, here's what the Savior says about it. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you, what? That you love one another. How? As I, Jesus says, have loved you. Here's a sacrificial love. Jesus says, as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, by what? By the love that you have patterned after me. All will know that you are my disciples. And he comes back again, if you have love for one another. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? Do we want others to know we are Christ's disciples? Do we want others to see our good works and glorify God? Then let us love one another. You go to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, in verses 7 through 11. Notice please, 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. Love is expected. It is reasonable. It is logical. It is scriptural. To truly be godly, we're going to give it. Now, what does love look like? Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, the Bible teaches us that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love, verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As I've said before, so now I say again, an excellent test is to go to these verses and substitute your name in place of the word charity or love. 
When I do that, it's a very humbling experience. I see that David has some work to do. David suffers long. David is kind. David does not. Go on with that. See how you're doing with that. Many are the churches today filled with impatient, envious, arrogant Christians who are selfishly unwilling to endure a single thing from their brethren. And yes, they are failing. The opposite of the success that Larry spoke about. They're failing one another. They are lacking love. One for another. True love takes time. True love works for what is best and right. Even when it's tough. Even when it costs. Even when a sacrifice has to be made. Think about teaching. 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5. Paul told Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in kingdom. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul says, Timothy, you preach the word. Not your word. Not Max Lucado's word. Not Rick Warren's word. Not Beth Moore's word. Not Francis Chan's word. You preach the word. You preach the word of God. You do it in season, out of season. That is, you do it when they like it, when they don't. You give them what they need. Souls are at stake. Preaching that's needed may not always be desired, but love them enough to give them the truth regardless. What Paul did, he's a good one to pattern. And you remember even Galatians 4 and verse 16, he had preached the truth and he had taken them to task in areas of concern to the point that he had to ask them, have I therefore become your enemy? Why? Because I tell you the truth. Or proclaiming the truth, straight, sound, biblical preaching and teaching, that's not hatred. That's love. Larry mentioned a moment ago this idea of confronting. You want to see tough love? Confronting one. Who's wrong? In Galatians 2, 11 through 13, where Paul tells of a time he had to confront this brother. Not just any other brother. This was another apostle. Again, Larry mentioned this. Look at it with me. Verse 11, Galatians 2. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, Paul says, I withstood him to his face. Why? Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they, that is the Jews, came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also did. What? They played the hypocrite. Peter was being hypocritical. And others now were following his lead. Even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But good for Paul, he loved his brother Peter enough to call him out. That wasn't some kind of ha-ha, gotcha moment, but rather concern for his brother and the cause of Christ. Confronting one in error. That's a demonstration of love. You talk about loving one another in the teaching. Sometimes it's tough. In the confronting. In the disciplining. Again, Larry mentioned this. Discipline. When we withdraw from the disorderly, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6, 
When we refuse company to brethren who do not obey the Word. Verse 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when we deliver unto Satan, verse 5, forego eating with, verse 11, and put away from ourselves a sinning Christian who will not repent, verse 13. That is neither mistreatment nor hatred. It is love. It is God's plan. And ladies and gentlemen, if we will work God's plan, God's plan will work. Love that calls attention to a lost soul in need of repentance. Love designed to make the erring one ashamed. What's true of parental discipline is true of church discipline. Mike, I've heard you say some love their pet more than they love their brethren. Oh, Scruffy, make a mess on the carpet. They'll roll up the newspaper with a faded red rubber band around and wear him out. They won't do that with their children. They don't do that with their brethren. They won't practice discipline. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who spares his rod hates his son. He who loves him does what? He disciplines him promptly. Hey, that's not always enjoyable. Not always convenient. Not always popular. But I tell you what it is. It is always right. And it's another demonstration. It's evidence of love. Yes, as we noticed in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Love stands ready to teach, confront, discipline. Love always is ready to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Romans 12, 15. Love is ready to do good unto all, especially those of the household of faith. Galatians 6 and verse 10. Love is ever ready to say to God, not my will, but thine be done. Luke twenty two fourteen. Love is ready to say to others, please, thank you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I love you. I'm thankful. You're my sister. I'm thankful. You're my brother. I want to close with an excellent article by Brother James Hahn entitled, He's My Brother. Brother Hahn writes, I am sure most of us have seen the picture of the young boy carrying another smaller boy, and he is saying, He's not heavy, he's my brother. This scene has always had an emotional appeal since everyone recognizes that there is something special or should be about being brothers. However, I saw another cartoon recently, which I am sorry to say, seems to reflect the attitude that brethren in Christ sometimes have toward one another. The cartoon opens with a picture of one little boy on top of another beating him unmercifully. Another child approaches and says, love your enemy. The boy doing the beating replies, He isn't my enemy, he's my brother. The moment I read that cartoon, I thought about the attitude some brethren show toward one another. They, like the little boy in the cartoon, often treat their enemies with more love and compassion than they do their own brethren. Nearly any wrong or problem is quickly resolved if it involves someone in the world. But let it involve a brother in Christ, and instead of trying to resolve the matter, we try to destroy the brother. This ought not to be. 
I am not for one moment suggesting that we should ever compromise truth and right in order to maintain a peaceful relationship with our brother or anyone else. However, I am saying that there should be an attitude of love and compassion manifested among brethren. I know of churches where the members seem to delight in attacking one another. A kind word about another member is seldom heard. This is indeed sad. Jesus said by this, Shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. John 13, 35. Paul said, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Galatians 5, verse 15. What thoughts come to your mind when you say, He's my brother. May God help us always love one another. And when we respect that first and great commandment, and the second one that's like, and we have that proper love for God, and we have that proper love for our fellow man, again I say, these others will fall right in line. Not minimizing them. Continue to work at it. Take care of this one. Love God. Love one another. It will be well with your soul. We're going to sing a song of encouragement to any who might need to render obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ this night. What about you? Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? You know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's power to save, you can do that this night. If you'd come believing that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus said, unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. John 8, verse 24. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then do what He said to about your sin. Repent of your sin. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3, as well as verse 5. And then unashamedly confess your faith in Christ. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, according to Romans 10 and verse 10. Upon that good confession that I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you can then be buried with Christ. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Baptized into Christ. Galatians 3, 27. For the remission of your sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. In that very act you'll put on Christ. The Lord will add you to His church. You'll be among the saved. The ecclesia. Acts 2, 47. In this life it gets no better than that. There in the household of God, you just press on and you be faithful unto death. The Savior says, I'll give you the crown of life. Revelation 2, verse 10. What about that crown of life? Is there enough love in your heart? Concern for the Lord and His way and His cause. Concern for your soul that you do the right thing. If you've never obeyed, why not tonight? If you've obeyed in times past, but you've not continued to be faithful, why not tonight? Repent of your sin. Confess your fault. Pray God for forgiveness. If we can help you in your obedience, we bid you come. As together we stand and as we sing.